everybody. Welcome back to uh, Pinnacle Takes. What are we taking on today? So I've been uh, really looking forward to this episode because I, I guess I'm just cynical. Like I, I have been hearing this term branding, branding, branding. You can't be a recruiter anymore unless you're branding and you have influence and you have content being added every single day. And and I'm not quite sure ever what it really means when I try to break it down into a, okay, what is what does that really look like in the day of a recruiter? And I think it means different things to all people. So I, I decided let's get Pinnacle's sort of resident expert on this, uh, Free Sakar. How are you, my friend? Thank you for joining me. I am fantastic, Dan, and even better for having this conversation with you. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So but you're the first person I remember years ago saying to me at Pinnacle, you know, I, I just want to do this different. Um, and, you know, other people would say that to me, and it was just them saying, I don't want to make calls anymore, and I'm just tired and bored. And uh, when things were good, um, they were just looking for other things to do. But you were the first person that seemed to be sincere about it to me. You were the one that said, and you've been in Pinnacle since, like, 2018, right? Yep, that's yeah, so, yeah, so yeah, so coming up on six years. So you were like, I, I've got different ideas on how to do this. And then you put it into action. I mean, you 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 wrote a book, uh, Switch, um, that was an, an Amazon bestseller. You you do your own podcast. You you got named on LinkedIn as one of the top one percent. I'd love to know more about what that actually means. And and anybody that sees your LinkedIn page or gets on YouTube sees how committed you are to ongoing communications. You had a, a wonderful uh, article uh, about what it meant that uh, Sam Altman had been let go and then brought back to open AI. So, you know, you had this sort of vision years ago of being a, I hate this overused term, but it's legit, a thought leader as opposed to a guy running a desk. Um, and you, you seem to pull that off. And I guess I, I want to know the steps, but more importantly, I want to know, is it exhausting? Like, is it is it working, dude? Or is it, are, are you like 10 o'clock at night saying, I don't know what I'm going to post tomorrow. Why did I get myself into this? Talk to me about how it's manifested itself in your day-to-day -day versus the way you used to work. Yeah, I think the, the most important thing as a recruiter is that I hate making calls mm -hmm. that I don't get I don't get return calls. So I hate leaving voicemails. Yeah. And I hate leaving 30 voicemails, but I love a return call and a conversation. Right. <laughs> Let's start there. Right, right. I hate sending emails that just go into the ether. But I love getting emails back saying, hey, would love to have a conversation. Your timing is fantastic. We're just about to go higher X, Y, and Z. Yeah, yeah. That's the starting point because all business development, which has no return, is a waste of our lives and times. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Calls, emails, messages. So for me, branding is the, the, is the one single factor that changes the ratio. Yeah, yeah. No, I right. you know I, I haven't heard it put that way. That that really resonates with me because, you know, for literally decades, people would say to me, 
Um, you know, I love closing the deal, but I don't like the beginning and the cold calling and the the failure by definition. And the the typical rote response that I would give that I think most managers would give is essentially man up, right? Like um, if you're going to be rich, then, you know, it isn't all pretty. And yeah, you got to make X amount of calls. And most of them are meaningless and useless and you're not going to get a response. And that's always been the response, but it's, it's profoundly disheartening for people. And I think at a level that the quote unquote manager telling you to man up has either never appreciated because they're off the desk or lost the sense of, okay, tomorrow I start from scratch again, knowing most of the time, whatever I do is not being heard. And I think, you know, managers like me would tend to over time go, well, it's not as bad as it used to be because now you get to just write out emails and, and send an email blast. So you sound like you're making a hundred calls. Well, you know, what a snowflake, like, like suck it up. It's easier now with technology. But I think you make a good point that it's still fundamentally like inefficient on a, on a massive scale. Yes. And, and essentially what I learned over a period of time was I have to answer the, the two questions with any new prospect. Who are you and why should I give you any of my time? Yeah. And to move those percentages from zero calls returned to zero emails returned, <laughs> for me, the only way that I know how was to make the value that I'm offering more and more and more and more compelling. Yeah. So, you know, if we look at three stages as a recruiter, uh, stage one is survival. Yeah. That is, am I even going to survive in this profession? Yeah. Stage two is success. Yeah. And that's when you, you know, you start billing three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine hundred a million dollars. Yeah and check that box but i remember somewhere on the way between the half to the i was starting to get burnt out i was yeah. always on i was always and for me what i had to do was that i had to get a recruiter and a researcher so that i could do what i loved i love winning new business i actually the most exciting thing that i can do is talk to a prospect yeah, but the worst thing that I can do is make thirty calls and get no return. So I'm 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 going to keep going. It's old school and new school. It's not just one or the other. Mm -hmm. So it's not that because I made a LinkedIn post that I get ten you know job orders in my inbox. No, I've got to follow them up, and it helps that if I've had thirty people interact with one of my posts, and then I send them a message the chances of getting a, re a reply message just go up 10x because they've yeah. just interacted with one of my posts. Right. So right. It, it, I'll, I'll bring it back. You know, survival was really about who are you and why do we need to speak with you? And you have this catch 22 where today I, I would have 100 SaaS companies and over 300 sales VPs who know who I am. I can cross-reference people. It's very easy. If I drop, you know, Amazon, Microsoft, right through to the latest uh, startups and scale-ups. But back then, I didn't have any of that. Right. So 
I needed to start actively, I, you know, if you ask me, my, my journey was really starting to create um, PDFs where I would just create tools for my, an interview guide. Mm-hmm. And people would reply back saying, yeah, that was useful. You know, there were 20 interview uh, questions for salespeople. How do you distinguish between average, good, and great? Mm-hmm. That was useful to my hiring manager. Yeah, yeah. So I, I had the first taste of content. I've also had one which was around identifying when people were lying during an interview. And, mm-hmm. I, and I remember Mike, I won't mention, and he sent me an email back saying, I've learned absolutely nothing new from the time I've spent on this document. <laughs> so Mike and I are good friends now, but right. that that helped help me remain honest that don't put low value content out there. If you don't have high value content, don't put it out there. So, you know, you just have these experiences that shape you. So over a period of time, um, the the transition from the three stages, survival to success, you know, do I have a profitable desk that I have enough to reinvest and spend time doing the things that I am the best at? Yeah. And I'm the best at being the rainmaker. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, so I now have a team that will do the recruiting as well as do the research. Um, and and I can spend maximum time in conversations, in activities that will lead to larger contracts being signed. Right, right. Yeah, I get that. And I'd, I'd love to dig into that a little bit because as you say, the way you started um, has morphed a little bit because the tools get better, right? Um, but I don't want to lose the train of thought. Survival success, what's the third stage significance yeah. so, oh. <laughs> okay so st- stage three is significance and essentially significance is beyond i'm just billing a certain amount right. significance has been i i now am someone in this industry who is a trusted advisor who if i said hey um why don't you and they're like who are you why should we talk to you i said why don't you ask these three people that they know like and trust Right. Uh, which enables me to, um, you know, win that trust a lot faster, a mm-hmm. lot easier, as well as it's it's about uh, an exchange of value, right? So I I realized early on that if I called and asked people if they were looking to fill a job, well, they've got plenty of options as against whether they wanted to hire the best performing sales rep at one of their competitors, huge difference in conversation, value. So again, survival, success, and significance has different levels of exchange of value. So really the reason why I've invested in um, exchanging value through PDFs, books, courses, uh, one-on-one, coaching selectively with um, VPs who are in between jobs is really the more I have invested with the right people in the right channel, I've had a um, 10 to 100x return on that investment. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. One of the, when I do mentoring, I track where do people's business come from? And one of the common ways uh, an established person gets business is 
um, they basically follow clients, right? So you, you and I both play salespeople. So VP of sales um, leaves one company, goes to another, and either they call you and say, hey, time to get the band back together. I got to roll out a sales team. Or you follow them proactively and say, hey, I saw you made a move. Let's talk. But, and, and I found this interesting um, because you know it's a bad market. Uh, you can tell it's a recession when two things happen. One, uh, people cut their fees dramatically. But two, I start getting calls from people saying, what do you think about charging the candidates? Would that be a good revenue stream? And I'm like, oh, there is somebody whose business is really hurting, right? Um, <clears throat> but so people don't realize that that is a business, but it's called outplacement. There's professionals that have been doing it for 100 years, and they've got programs and um it's an awful lot of work if you've never done it before. And what tends to happen is people get into quote unquote outplacement. I'll show the candidate how to get a job. Um, and then they do that two or three times for whatever five grand used to be the, the going rate. And by that time, the market starts to turn around and they go, oh my God, it's so much easier to just make placements. And they dump the, the outplacement. But what you did yes. so cleverly is you said, well, it doesn't have to be a, a, a recessionary business. It can be a service, a piece of content, essentially, where you say, um, and you can tell me how you did it, but I, I remember you saying that you you would you would offer coaching, consulting, basically an advisory sort of, I don't know if that's a phone call, a session, a, a post, but they get some value out of it, and then they're going to remember you when they do surface somewhere else, and then you can leverage that into more search work. So. Talk to me a little bit about how, how you did that and whether you still do it. Okay. So let's go back to before COVID, during yeah. COVID, after COVID. <laughs> yeah. Before before COVID, when the lead up to COVID the last four or five years, um, it was very competitive. Things were growing, but we still needed to differentiate ourselves. I did that by uh, by creating content that was useful for hiring managers as I mentioned earlier, uh, PDFs, blog posts, emails, which need to be followed up by phone calls and more emails yeah. to yield a 2% response or a 3% response because there is a huge difference between a 0% and a 3% response, Hell yeah. which gives you, right, you, yeah. you, you're, you're in, you're having a conversation. So that's phase one before COVID. During COVID, I had already written the book and for six months, there was literally nothing else to do. So I um, recorded videos, created an e-course, and I did for a year, a year plus, uh, charge both clients. And we also created a course for nine ninety seven, dollars mm -hmm. um, And we had in excess of 70 uh, CROs, SVPs join that because for a thousand bucks, they got access to course weekly calls and all in all, you know, over a year, that was 150,000, which we wouldn't have gotten. It right. kept the lights on. I kept my best people. And yeah. uh, like you said, then is after COVID, the work comes back <laughs> and I don't want to do it anymore. Right. And I, I just don't have the bandwidth. However, what I realized again was the emotional connection that you create with someone who's actually looking for a job goes further beyond just making great placements with them. Yes. 
Yeah. It's just an emotionally stronger connection. Mm -hmm. So for the rest of my life, I've got these 70 execs just from that period. Right. You know, I called one of the VPs and he picked, he picked up the phone and said, hey, Pri, what a great surprise. I'm on a Zoom call. I'll call you back in half an hour. I've mm -hmm. never had that to me. <laughs> yeah. I've left lots of voicemails, right? But when, yeah. when you're in that phase where they're like, hey, I'm so glad you called me. He doesn't know whether I'm I'm selling, I'm buying, right, doesn't right. matter. Yeah. So I so what I do after COVID, I now have four uh, slots, two on Tuesday, two on Thursday, and for the VPs, hiring managers who are who I know are the open to opportunity on LinkedIn, mm -hmm. or they've reached out to me, I will spend four one on one half an hour conversations when I'm coaching them on the resume, on outreach, and basically four into, let's say I work, you know, 48 weeks, 50 foot. Um, yeah. That's 200 one-on-one -on -one personal connections that I would never have through no amount of cold calling. Right, right, right. And with the existing clients that we have, the jobs that we have, past clients that we have, that's the best 200 relationships that I can add sure. because guess, guess what? Um, even, even 30% of those 200, if they get a job in the next three, six, nine months and they're hiring, who do you think they're going to call? Sure. Yeah. And the referrals from those people are going to be stronger too. No question, right? They're going to be more invested in the referral than a, than a person with that. You just say, Hey, if this isn't right for you, who do you know? I mean, you know, they're just not invested with that referral. Yeah, and then and then you think about that. If I was recruiting actively on a job, I'd be speaking to 20 to 30 candidates, of which I would place only one, and the 29 I'd have to use for another job. Mm -hmm. But if I have a recruiter doing if I have a recruiter doing that, I then have the bandwidth to actually have a conversation where I'm only giving, I'm not asking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but that. guess what? You know, I love this from Robert Cialdini because it really changed how I think, and that was reciprocation. Mm -hmm. People are wired to reciprocate, most people. Yes. So if I spend time with you and I help you out and you have these amazing ahas, I guarantee you, but it's on me to keep track on what you're doing, right? So I'm not saying that, hey, I put content out there or I spend time with them and they're just, the phone's ringing off the hook. No, <laughs> I'm, do I'm doing the calling. Yeah, Outbound effort is my responsibility as the rainmaker, but I know that the probability of a response is very high because these people know who I am. They know, like, and trust me. I've yeah. already crossed the threshold from stranger to friend. Yeah, no, I get that. And I, I think this is the part of the message uh, that I don't think comes across clearly enough at, at pinnacle meetings and, and not just, this isn't a pinnacle thing, this is a recruiter thing. And it's human, right? We all want the shortcut. We, we, we all want to stop doing the hard part and find an easy part. And it is so easy to say, well, the old way has been replaced because the technology is better. You know, I've, I've had to put up with it for, uh, for years with people saying um, the people don't talk on the phone anymore. If you're going to make us have phone time, we're, you're, you're keeping us from sending out these valuable emails 
and LinkedIn postings that are going to cat we can cash in and the phone doesn't work. And you know, I I took no joy in saying I told you so because this is my company and it's my <laughs> income as well. But th that was basically um the phenomenal market that we were in in 21 and 22 and mid from mid 20 to the end of 22 i i think the market uh hid uh it didn't allow our flaws to be exposed you were not not you but i'm saying us collectively we were not as an industry being proactive it was okay to follow up postings because they were hurting for people and yeah you could you could link in with somebody and and without any content you could say, hey, you know, I saw your profile, Priya, and you're awesome, and I'd love to have a relationship with you. Well, we're looking for a, a salesperson. Can you help us? Sure. And that now people think, well, you don't have to make phone calls. So then the market slows in 23, and, and you said you wouldn't name names. I'm not going to name names, but I can tell you there's about 10 people in Pinnacle who reached out to me, you know, head between their tail and said, can we talk about cold calling again? And how do I, what's an NPC? What the hell is that? Um, and when I look at, I mean, we were down 20% in 23 and the last four or five months have been really good. So why are they good? Because I got people to stop feeling sorry for themselves and to say, we're going to make phone calls. But I, I kept saying, and this is the part that uh, I'm going to be so glad when we send this episode out to people, you're not saying it's either or. And I think people get that message uh, sometimes. You have somebody, especially if it's a vendor coming to a conference saying, here's the new way, this is inbound marketing. You know, you're going to sit at your desk and these calls are going to come in and you're going to post something. And two minutes later, someone's going to say, that's brilliant. We need a VP. Um, when in reality, it's, it's not either or. It's yes, I have to be calling my target market and do my cold calling, but I'm going to try to create a better response rate is what I'm hearing from you. I'm not saying pre pre didn't all of a sudden become the rainmaker who doesn't have a phone. You you became the rainmaker who understands how to increase your value and to cross that Rubicon from I'm a good recruiter to uh, I'm an advisor to people who trust my judgment. And that's in a bad market. Everybody throws out the advisor role and goes. Every man for himself. Give me a phone. Let me go back to where I was. And then they'll, they'll start to make money again. And then they still, they say, okay, I'm making money now. God, I'm so tired of the phone. Is there is there a miracle cure here? Anybody got anything? And then we start the cycle all over again, you know? Yeah, look, I think um, the truth of all this branding and influencing <laughs> is this, my inbound leads are less than 5%. My outbound is 95%. Yeah. But the reason why I love it is that when I call, email, my response rate is high. Yeah. Free, I'm not hiring, but it's good to hear from you. Yeah. I'm going to be hiring in Q3. Mm -hmm. Check, good call mate. Yeah. I'm not hiring, but you need to speak to this person. Yeah. Good call mate. I'm not hiring, but... I'm actually looking for a change. Let's have a conversation, fill that relational tank up. Yeah. I'm not hiring, but I've got a sales rep that you really need to go out and talk to so that I can MPC them. Yeah. The point is we are and we will remain, as I understand, an outbound business. 
Yeah. Now, that outbound, I'll give you an example of what's been working for me lately. I will send, if I was, I'll send Danny a text because Danny's a busy guy. And I'll say, hey, Danny, do you have five minutes this afternoon to have a conversation? Yeah. I get a 70% response to that. 70% because Danny knows who I am. Yeah. 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 Right. And, and, and I know most people, you're going to get more lucky on the phone in the afternoon. So what's happening now is we've all, I've got three to five people who are expecting a call from me this afternoon. Right. 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 They're expecting a call. They know I'm a recruiter and they know I'm going to either ask them for business. I'm going to ask them for candidates. Right. It's going to be a good conversation. Yeah. But yeah. guess what? I have to send the text. I've got to make the call. Yeah. But these, are, also make, these are but these are contacts. So these are people that you've already engaged with many times, either in LinkedIn or in other businesses. These are known entities. These are not cold texts. So here's the point. Okay. Um it, it, I think I learned this a long time back. Um, you know, I've got these grades, level zero, level one, two, three, four, five. So level zero are existing clients. Level one are people that I have either met or spoken to, but we're not currently um, uh, transacting. Um, level three are people who I haven't met, haven't spoken to, but we have something in common. There's a very strong relevance. They're either at a competitor or they are at, um, we know someone in common. And level four is just people from <clears throat> from marketing. They've opened emails, they've interacted on my posts, and level five is brand new with no interaction. So my goal through 90 days is to cycle through level zero, one, two, three, four, five until I get the number of job orders I need to hit right. my numbers for the year. Yeah, And I'm yeah. finding increasingly the more I post a podcast episode with the, with the VP, guess what? most of their colleagues are commenting on that post. So if you see my po podcast posts, I've got 20 or 30 people. I connect with all of them. I will like their content and I, then I will message them. Yeah. I'll say, hey, hey, Danny, great to connect with you. And you know what they'll say? Yes, we saw you on that podcast. So I'm j at the end of the day, I want to find the, the path or the path of least resistance to getting a meaningful conversation with a prospect. Yeah. 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 Now yeah. that's, that's essentially, I'm just trying to maximize my ROI for the days that I have and max, because like I said in the beginning, I hate making calls where I get no response. I love making calls where I get a response. So I, I could prospect all day, every day, if I knew somebody was going to pick up the phone and actually have a conversation. Yeah, 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 I hear you. So here's what I know. Um, certain people, maybe not in Pinnacle, but these episodes get listened to by people outside of Pinnacle um, who want to become Pinnacle level at some point. They're listening to us and they're going, um, okay, but like, where do I get this original content from? And I think it's a, it's a fair point because you are... Uh, an original thinker, you write well, and, and all the time I've known you, it's you're the you're the first person to not just say, "Oh, that's true," but you'll say, 
you know who once said something that really impressed me and you'll you you'll cite anywhere from you know uh socrates to tony robbins like you're you're more erudite and more uh talented than most people as far as coming up with this stuff so the average recruiter is sitting there going okay i a podcast an interview uh pdfs with checklists of what's a good sales candidate it seems so much harder to them than it is to just uh you know send out an email blast and say hey have any openings or do an npc call and and i and i get their point because um most of the stuff i see um that's posted is derivative right i mean this is where you separate because when i see people essentially taking i don't know an article from the new york times um or something from forbes magazine about the economy and then it's posted as your content i'm like do you think these vps don't have forbes do you think they don't read the new york times <laughs> like well why would i need you for yeah. that you know what i mean or they they will take you know i'm sure you've been ripped off i know i have people will take some of my content and they'll post it. It's fine. You can have it. You know, uh -huh. if you're a paying member recording Danny, I don't care. But the point is, well, how does that how does that make you the advisor? All you're all you're showing is energy um, and a and a clear command of the social media platform, but you're not giving me anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So for anyone who is listening that is wondering. You know, this is just so far removed from what I have time to do. Yeah. Um, there are three shifts, right? Number one is you've got to go from that survival success to significance, meaning that beyond the billings, you know, if you want to maximize the potential that you have, because I often ask myself the question, okay, you know, whether you build half a million, one million, 1.5, 2 million, but what's my real potential as a human being in this business? That's a question that I, uh, it's not about anyone else to my left or right. And I love that yeah. about Pinnacle. I'm not competing with anyone else. Yeah. My big question is, what is my potential? So, so number one, what is your true potential? And if that is that, hey, solo desk, it's hard as a solo producer who is doing BD, account management, recruiting, and building lists. For me, that was a hard life. I've I've done that for five years of the last fifteen. I yeah. prefer the next. I, I've I've loved the last five years of my life the best, because my income has been the greatest. My effort has been comparatively the lowest. Right. Mm -hmm. Number one. Yeah. Number two. You've got to see value in yourself to show value. So at some point along the way. I realized that, hey, I'm standing on the sidelines of this professional league game that's being played out, and I'm noticing things. I'm noticing people. I'm noticing how they play. So what's happening is that I've got a a, a book of value beyond sending a resume right. about how this game is played. And so yeah. now, if I see the value in myself, I've got to show the value. Because people pay for value they see. So until mm -hmm. you see value in yourself, yes. you're never going to write the book, write the podcast. So yes, you've got to learn how to, you know, write atomic essays. So I've, I've done, I've gone to uh, writing programs. Anyone who, you know, is listening, you can look up ship 30. 
they teach you how to write atomic essays easy and mm-hmm. um the other thing uh, the third the third thing is that it's you, you don't create capture meaning you don't have to come up with the most original idea you have to capture life as you see it right, right? you've got you've got a book uh on 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 your uh thoughts on golf and uh, i saw that uh message come out today right but you've captured your observations your musings your mm-hmm. and that's interesting right right you know I, 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 that's interesting stuff so three things go from survival to significance by you know seeing the value in yourself and sh- learn how to show that value learn how to provide information in a manner that people will want to read and see today um and finally capture don't create i've just had a great conversation with uh let's say a candidate he's saying you will not believe what's happening in this company first they did this then they did that and and, and so what happens by next post i spoke to a three time president club achieving account executive who's just about to quit here's what they told me number 1 number 2 right. number 3 right. what's your experience that post is going to get a ton of engagement but did i have yeah. to create something no i just captured what happened yesterday right right yes yes i think i i think people don't understand cuz i get that question all the time people say dude you've been doing this training for three decades how do you come up with like new webinars um every week um and i pride myself on on other than the basics not repeating myself but i don't feel like i have announced more creativity than anyone else i i simply run a search firm and i i notice things and i say oh that happened so if that happened to us by definition there's got to be someone else out there that that has happened to <laughs> yes. so this happened this morning uh i was giving props to beth schneider who you know in pinnacle um she uh she wanted us to know that she made a recruiting call to a vp because they she had heard the company had mass layoffs And so she said to the VP, I you know normally I'd be trying to get your business, but I understand you had a mass layoff, so I know you don't have any openings. And the VP said, "Oh no, we have openings." Um <laughs> and awesome. that said, "Really?" And she said, "Yes." She said, "We had to let people go that we couldn't use anymore, but we we've won new business, but we need new people for the new business." And so obviously the lesson was don't not call people that are laying off thinking they don't hire people because they do hire people. So Beth just sent an email to my company saying, "Hey, this happened. I thought you should know that." And I'm like, "That's a post. You know, that's a video. That's that's a, you know, that's that's a, an event that happened to you that you just have to notice it or as you say capture and then realize that people care about it. And I think people don't understand how sexy our business is. You know what I mean? Like like everybody has a job, so we have a universe that most people don't have. Most people's industries are extremely insular and only the people in it understand it but everybody understands what it's like to have a job to lose a job to audition for a job and then not get it to resign to give notice to be demoted to have a territory cut these are dramatic emotional things these are you know these are lifetime movies and we just have to take a snippet of it and put it on um but as you say you've got to take you've got to first capture it notice it and then trust yourself that you can put it together in some way but that's where i think the procrastination happens because you take your uh communication skills and your writing skills uh for granted and for a lot of people 
it's uh, it's daunting to to do a post or a video. Yes, and the starting point again at the sound at the cost of being repetitive, you've mm -hmm. got to see value in yourself. Yeah. You have got to. That is worth putting everything down, shutting the laptop, putting it away, and doing an inventory. Who am I? What have I done? What have I learned? Yeah. And if the you know just you've got to spend some time building your your own value, and then you realize you know what I actually have something of value. For someone, it doesn't have to be. I'm not looking for a hundred likes. It could be one like, but yeah. it's not the like. It's that it's been, there's been an exchange of value yeah. because you can build on that, right? Yeah. You don't, that, that that gets rid of your imposter syndrome. A lot of yes. people struggle with imposter yeah. syndrome. Right. So number one, deal with that imposter syndrome. Number two, you've got to create a bit of room because you really can't, you, you can't be, you know, uh, cooking, cleaning, taking orders, uh, you know, serving yeah. tables. Look, at the end of the day, we all have the same amount of time every day and we've got. So um, for me, I don't want to do every job intake. I don't want to do every recruiting call and I don't want to build lists of people to contact. What I want to do, I want to talk to VPs who are hiring reps and I've got people around me now who can do the rest. So I have the brain space and the time space to go out and create this content. I then have now, uh, I learned how to do it. I learned how to write. I learned how to create this content. And now then I delegate that. So I love uh, the book, Who Not How by Dan Sullivan, mm -hmm. because if you can get beyond the, um, you know, I can't do this to, I can do this, I don't have the time. Everything that I'm delegating, I at least know how to do. So then I can get a virtual assistant who can support me in those tasks. So I might just spend two hours on it. And with the host of AI tools, if you're not a good delegator, hey, you know what? You've got AI tools like Tatlio, which will show you inspiration posts that you can make. It can schedule your posts, just three posts a week. You don't need to be making two posts every day. Three posts a week. Can you do that for yourself in a one-hour meeting and then just start somewhere and improve the quality of what you do? And, yeah. and are those three posts all LinkedIn or are you yes. putting them across different platforms? No, I only my, my, my focus is on LinkedIn because that's where my audience is. Yep. Um, and I've also, I'm also noticing if I've messaged Danny and I've made a post LinkedIn is showing Danny the post. Yeah. So there's a dynamic that's, there's an AI factor where LinkedIn is um, rewarding the interaction on the messaging channel, which showing it in the post. Right. So it, so if I've messaged you before or after you, it's showing you my content. So that's a double win. Right. Right. Because right. All of a sudden, you go from being stranger to a friend. So what I've done, you've asked about, what do I do with strangers? When people announce they've got a new job, I will, hey, I will, congratulations, Danny and the company. People feel good, good about that. You know, hey, they're lucky to have you, number one. Number two, three to five days later, I will send a salary guide for AEs and VPs. Hey, congrats. Most people have 30% turnover in the first year. This could be useful. Hey, Preet, thanks. You know, one out of three respond. Sure. Then for the next two weeks, 
I will like and comment on some of their posts. And then I will ask. Mm-hmm. I can wait two weeks. I can yeah. eat for two weeks. Right? I don't need to ask today. Yeah, most recruiters are calling people once a month. You know, they're calling them and saying, I don't want to bother them. I called them last month. So waiting two weeks to interact again is nothing. It's nothing. And 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 the response to that message is leading to a call anyway. Right. Because right. if I found, if I, I dis, you know, if you posted, they're going to get 15 recruiters cramming their inbox anyway. Yep. 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 Hey, no. Danny. So look, I just have found that it's a combined effort and it gives you far better results because yeah. I just like getting calls back. I like getting messages back. Yeah. I like leading. So I hate spending the time doing things that actually get me nowhere. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I'm getting that message loud and clear. <laughs> and, and people need to hear that, that, that these are just better ways to set up quality calls. They're not a substitute for, uh, for being an aggressive business development person. Does any of this change pre with talent acquisition? Do you have a different approach or philosophy? Yeah, look, I, I, I have um, spent most of my life only speaking to hiring managers because talent acquisition people, they are lagging decision makers, not leading decision makers. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I just don't invest that time there. And, and the yeah. time that I have invested, if I'm figuring out, you know, I'm just getting lip service or, hey, thank you so much for reaching out right now. You know, we're not taking any more recruiters unless I know the TA people, right? So yeah. once we get to know them, I've done the same thing. I'm, I'm an advisor, but we're often, you know, if, if they're trying to justify their own positions, then they're not going to spend time giving me jobs. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, it's situa- it, yeah, it's situational, isn't it? They're only using you if they fail themselves and if they're getting a tremendous amount of pressure from their uh, line managers to fill the job. Right. In fact, I've, I've got a document where I've created a business case on why the hiring manager needs to create a business case to engage me and not internal talent. Ah, interesting. Right? Yeah. So uh, the point is people have problems every day and you can either have a conversation. If you can actually have a conversation about it, you can create a post about it. If you can create a post about it, you can create a PDF about it. Yeah. And if it's really, if it's really badly against talent acquisition, I'll say, Hey Danny, this is for your eyes only. It makes it even more interesting. People actually want to read that stuff. Yes, right? yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so, um, you know, that's, um, what I'm sending to them and gearing them up for a conversation around, you know, if they want to get passive talent, you know, all the other, you, but it's coming in a format like this guy is helping me hire the best and yeah. he's giving me reasons why. So, yeah, you know, goes back to capture, don't create. Yes. Yeah. So, and, but keeping in mind yeah. that you said a few minutes ago that it actually, um, you're making more money with less effort. So oh, yeah. here's, a, here's a, maybe you can, you can look at it this way. Uh, for years, we told recruiters, as you well know, you started this way, everybody did. So in the morning, you make BD calls from 8.30 to 12, and then you have a light lunch, and then you come back and you recruit all afternoon, and then you shut down and plan. And that's gone by the wayside, of course, and, and nobody works that way anymore. But it strikes me that, that no, nothing's replaced it, right? 
So in other words, I'm not sure what, and I get that it might be different for individuals. You obviously are a rainmaker, so you're not running a 360 degree desk. But can you can you give me an idea of what you think now a typical day looks like in the workflow of a recruiter who is running a 360 degree desk but wants to incorporate some of your what you do? What would that look like? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So if I was running a 360 desk, here's what eight to five would look like. Okay. I'd get in I'd get in at eight o'clock in the morning. I'd have my top three tasks written out for the day. You know, sometimes I do it the day before, but I'll do it in the morning so that I've got my intention really clear. One yeah. of those three always has and will be more BD. So yeah. that I remind myself not to get <laughs> distracted with every other squirrel that looks interesting. Right. So number one, set my top three tasks for the day. Number two, write out the next 10 or 20 tasks that I need to do. I've got, I used to do it. It's always open on this three computer screen wide that I have reminding me get back on track because I often am chasing things that don't matter. Yep. Then around 8.30, I would make some money calls to you know people who are hard to get because for me, I find between 9 and 12, it's really hard to get people on the phone because somebody else has booked their clients into their calendar, yeah. right? So I've done the, you know, marketing mornings and recruiting afternoons. It didn't work as well for me. So what I would then do is after nine o'clock, I would actually get into some of the recruiting work. And uh, if I need to identify who are the, you know, people I need to call for this search. So I would build, I keep saying, build the list, the, the list about who are the candidates that I need to get in touch with. That would be from nine to 11. I find 12 to 2 a great time because people either step out to get lunch, they're most likely to be on their phones. Yep. 12 to 2, I would make a whole bunch of calls. So 9 to 11, you know, build the list. 12 to 2, make the calls. And after 2 is when I would start more marketing calls or BD calls, right? Yep. Because now there's less competition for the VP's diary, in my opinion, or calendar. And that's really when I start calling and uh, leaving voice messages. In between, I do submittals, preps, debriefs, all okay. of the above. All the classes. Uh, but, right. So the posting but two the to four, stuff yeah. we're talking about, is that done in off hours? Um, you know, you're writing the stuff in off hours and then posting it? Or is that during yes. the 9 to 11 generate list part? I would recommend batching that information and doing that on some days on a Friday. Yeah. So... Typically, I find it easier to focus in the mornings, that's me, than the afternoons. So for me, if I'm going to do any LinkedIn-related, on one day, I would actually spend one to two hours and make the write the posts, and then I would schedule the posts. Gotcha. Because the moment I start creating it every day, I'm spending far too much time looking at LinkedIn and looking yes. at every other thing that I need to do. Yes. So... Um, I find it far more easier to batch. Now, I am clinically diagnosed for ADHD. Mm -hmm. So I, I've had to invest a lot of time in coping mechanisms. In coping mechanisms, um, you know, with from atomic habits to to-do list to I'm a creature of habit as well. So I've got to do things in sequence. If I stay on sequence, I'm having a great day. If I can manage my day, if I can win the day, I will win the week. If I win the week, I will win the year. So for me, I, I actually have theme days 
as a as a business owner i've got manager mondays i've got finance fridays uh tuesday wednesday you know it's turbo turbo tuesdays so turbo <laughs> tuesdays are more bd right yeah, yeah, so yeah. It, these are these are just ways even as a 360 you've got to have some themes it yeah. helps you as against oh what are we going to do today it's 8 o'clock in the morning you know right 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 yeah okay so i just captured a post i'm going to i'm going to write a post about how pre needs to know about those adhd drugs pharmacological solutions for pre that's my next post <laughs> yeah. so one last thing that i'm fascinated about so again uh old school right you you're a rainmaker you have a pot of people you hope one sooner or later is pre junior and you promote him and and then you bring on more recruiters because there's more jobs and pretty soon you have an empire and you've got 20 recruiters is your way more scalable less scalable do you care because it works the way it is i'm just curious about the scalability of of a branded approach great question i often get it wrong first then get it right <laughs> so i can only speak for how far i've come yeah. rather than how far i want to go yeah like i'd love to do what you do which is why we've had conversation i'm always inspired by what you do but what i will say so far is that i'm just continuing to find new ways to reinvent myself in a way that i'm maximizing my give get value so i'll make a case in point i started an industry podcast at the start of the year which is called the high performance sales leader podcast mm-hmm. and i have already completed 20 episodes last year and this is spotlighting vps yeah. and from them doing one on ones to working at a startup and you know dealing with founder syndrome to that's interesting content yeah. so what that does for me yeah. number one every time i post an episode someone else has seen it so it maximizes my reach uh within uh within you know that one post number two um i get to build a great relationship as a peer rather than do you have a job one a job mm-hmm. number three that those podcasts i love watching uh what normalski catherine gerald uh michael petrack you know everyone who's yeah. starting that because i think collectively what it's doing for me and it's doing for them and doing for the profession is that we are truly seen as connectors game makers advisors keep yeah. people in this ecosystem yes. who are being seen and heard with other people without having to shake every hand at a trade conference though that is critical but i i think that's for more in depth so the point is um that is allowing me now to have other um my account managers do more bd and say oh yeah we saw pre speaking with right uh, they can use those episodes to send it to that person before they make the call say hey um you know if it's cybersecurity you saw pre just interviewed the vp of this would you like to be on our podcast so from go away i'm busy to oh yeah that sounds interesting because i'm going to do something for you so the point is i'm just continuing to explore new ways of maximizing the give get value my goal is to make as many strangers into friends and whether i create value for them by placing them or create value for them by hiring their best team yeah that's an infinite game as far as 
Right. And and and, and yeah. in that process, whether I can have two more high rainmakers under my wings, or start replicate that in a brand new desk and niche, which is probably something I'm going to come back to uh, get your thoughts on in the coming year. Yeah. But is to replicate that. But I already have the blueprint for I, every yeah. hill or mountain that I've already climbed. If I've climbed the mountain, I've got the blueprint. Right. Yes. No. I, yeah. I. It's funny. I, I. I. I was biased. I think before we talked that that this is, um, this approach is unique. It's 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 dependent on someone's communicative and writing skills, and some can do it and others can't. But the way you lay it out makes it seem more doable for people and systematic. And and maybe it's the opposite. Maybe it's this is the way to a a $5 million desk that, you know, none of us have ever seen yet um, because you can see how this, this can be replicated. Um, and, but, you know, I have to say though, Pri, and um, I, I, I knew this about you, you know, 10 minutes after we first talked, you know, what, what all the greats have is just a, uh, an insatiable curiosity. Like you're a curious person. You wanted to know how my business works. You wanted to know how, <laughs> how things work and, and I see you work people at Pinnacle and it it doesn't daunt you to say, oh, okay, let's let's think about it. Like founders of technology companies, they must feel certain things. That would be interesting. That comes easy to you because you're just curious about how things work. And I always, I always uh I think frustrate owners because they ask me always at these conferences, what do you look for in new people? And they're expecting me to say someone who's not afraid of rejection and someone who's really extroverted. And I'll say, you know, somebody smart, somebody curious, somebody kind, somebody resilient. And they go, gee, I'm not asking you for your dating profile. I'm asking you, how do I recruit you? But uh, they're the same. <laughs> They've literally been the same in my life. That they're, they're the same things, right? These are the things. It's because you're so curious about your world that this works. Yeah, thank you so much. Look, I think we just got to, when we, we live in a dy dynamic world where there's always something new coming up, and I think it, it just keeps it interesting. I do get bored of right. Groundhog Day. Now, yeah. if, you know, the way I learned from 1 to 100 was to go from 1 to 10, yeah. but that come back to 11. I am doing 11 better than I did 1, Yeah. right? Yeah. Get to 20. Yeah. Then go to 21. I'm right. still doing one, but I've got a two in front of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah, yeah. My, 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 my voicemails today is in threes. I will mention three companies they recognize. I will mention three people they know in common and three values that the outcome. So it's, it would be say, hey, Danny, we haven't spoken before, but I, we know one, two, three people in common. Yeah. You yeah. also might be interested to know that I'm currently recruiting for one, two, three companies right. that you... Right recognize and most importantly whether you have people on your team who are underperforming and likely to get on a pip or you have an open position that you're hiring for or more importantly you're looking for that next step in your career give me a call we need to get to know each other yes 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 yeah three our, people three companies three agree. reasons yeah i want to leave no reason why they can't call me back Right, because right. I hate. <laughs> I've said this so many times. <laughs> That's right. Free hates that not getting callbacks. We get it. Yeah. No. That's I right. I understand. Yeah. No, I understand. It sometimes is as pure and simple as that. 
this has been inspiring for me. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate that. And I think everybody who hears this episode will feel the same way. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, Danny. You are an inspiration to me. So it's it's really special that we could have this conversation. Thank you. All right. Be well, my friend.